Welcome to the Colts Reunion Podcast, a conversation with former Colts players. A look back at their career, what they're up to now, and how the Colts played a positive role in their lives. Welcome to another Colts Reunion Podcast, and thanks for joining us again. I'm Matt Taylor with Colts Ring of Honor member Bill Brooks. We're inside the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio. Our guest today on this summer podcast series, one of the best centers in Colts history, Ray Donaldson, wore the horseshoe helmet from 1980 to 1992. He was drafted in the second round and would play 17 seasons in the NFL. In that time, he proved to be one of the best players at his position. He was second-team All-Pro in 1987 with the Colts, was a six-time Pro Bowler, including his last two seasons in 1995 and 1996 with the Dallas Cowboys. He represented the Colts four times in the NFL's All-Star Game and won a Super Bowl in Dallas to close out his career. At his retirement, he was third in Colts history with 184 games played. Donaldson played collegiately at Georgia, and according to the Bulldogs' official athletic website, Donaldson became the first African-American center in the National Football League. He was one of the most dominant forces on the Colts' offensive line in the mid-'80s and early-'90s, and he's our guest today joining us via the phone line. Ray, thank you so much for the time this afternoon. How are you? I'm fine. Thanks for having me, fellas. Absolutely. So before we get into uh, your time with the Colts and go down memory lane a little bit, can you tell us what life is like for you now, what you're up to, and, and what's a typical day like for Ray Donaldson these days? Well, you know, I just, I just turned 65 this year, and uh, I'm retired. I don't do much of anything, really. Walk around here with my dog through the neighborhood and, and uh, stuff like that. Sit on my deck, drink coffee in the morning. Just enjoying myself, man. Just enjoying retirement. But I am selling merchandise on my website at millions.co backslash Ray Donaldson football and uh, alumniautographs.com. So that's what I do now. Just sit back and watch it work for me. Are you still Are you still coaching high school football, Ray? No, 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 no. I'm totally retired. <laughs> I'm not doing anything like that. <laughs> but Ray, how was your time coaching football? I know you you did coach some high school football. How was your time when you uh, coaching young guys up? You know what, man? I I really enjoyed it, but it was tough because uh, all these kids today they got it all figured out. You know, they just don't want to listen. You know, and they go out there. And, they get beat, and he look at him and said, "See, that's what I told you not to do it." You know, they they don't listen to anything. But it was fun, man. I really enjoyed it. I coached down at Franklin Central for two years, and mm-hmm. over at uh, what's the school name? Oh, I think, oh man, I can't remember. Coach Emil Okafor was the uh, head coach over there. Was it was it Arsenal Tech? Arsenal Tech. Yeah. Arsenal Tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Over there for two years, so I really had a great time. That's a perfect segue, Ray, because I know you had dreams. Uh, playing in the NFL as a young man growing up in Northwest Georgia, you grew up with eight siblings, and you thought that, hey, I'm going to get a career in the NFL. I, you know, you thought that could be the best way to help out your family. How motivated were you to get to the NFL? And, and Ray, when did you realize that you could make it to the next level playing professional football? You know, I tell you, the story goes a little like this, man. I Like you said, I had eight other brothers and sisters, and, uh, you know, it's six – seven years old, I watched my mom struggle. She she had two marriages. My father died before I was born, mm-hmm. and my her second husband was killed and left her to take care of all of us. And I just used to watch us come in just tired, dead on her feet. And I just said to myself, I said, man, I said, 
I want to I want to be a professional football player. And believe it or not, Billy, you guys, I uh, I had no idea what it was about. You know, all I knew was the guys, the older guys in the neighborhood when we played street football. You know, they each of the quarterbacks were either Johnny Unitas or Bart Starr. <laughs> and so Johnny Unitas was the one name that that I rem- that stuck in my head. You know, and uh, when I went to school one day, the teacher was asking us what do we want to be when we grow up. And I said, I want to be a pro football player. And she asked me, uh, who was my favorite player? And I said, I said, Johnny Unitas. I'd never seen him play. But I just, that was the name that I remembered. So she got his address, and I wrote him a letter. He sent me back a picture. Wow. And, and that right there just got me going, man. Wow. So so that was, and so I stuck, that stuck in my head the, the whole time. I wanted to be a professional football player so I could start taking care of my mother as well. So it worked out. Do you, do you still have that picture? You you got to still have that picture, right? No, 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 man. I was, but I did get to meet Johnny in the, my rookie year. We was having an end of the end of camp barbecue, and he was there. And I told him the story. He, and this is why I made a mistake. I told him the story about it, and he he asked me the same thing about the picture. And I said no, it, you know, I lost it. And he said, "Do you want another?" <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and being an arrogant kid, I guess I said no. I'm good. Yeah. You know how we yeah. are. And I, yeah, I wish I had taken that. I do. Wow. That, what what a moment there to meet John Unitas. And uh, you know, your, your dream to meet one of your idols there was pretty neat. But I want to go back to the time when you left high school and going to University of Georgia. And when you first got there, you were playing linebacker uh, for the University of Georgia. But then you were asked to play center due to an injury to one of your teammates. What were your first thoughts when they asked you to move from linebacker to center? And also, how difficult was it to make that transition from linebacker to center? Okay, well, listen, to, uh, do you want the truth? Yes, always. <laughs> always, always. we always want the truth, right? Okay, well, <laughs> well, my first thought, Billy, was uh, there go my chances of playing in the NFL. Wow. wow. Because, you know, there was no black centers in the NFL. Right. At that time, mm-hmm. okay, I was 19 years old. That's the first thing that went through my mind. But secondly, this old man that worked at the university had stopped me and talked to me about me not being not playing. And, and he he told me the day before I was asked to move to center. He told me, and he wasn't a coach. He was like a janitor. He said he said make a make me a promise. I said what's that? He said no matter where they play you. Play so damn good that they, that they can't take you out, and and I was upset and mad because I hadn't been playing. It's like the fifth game of the season, and I told him I said, "Oh, it doesn't matter if I get on that field, I'm not coming off." Right. Okay. So and then the next day they they do this, and I'm thinking center wrong. I'm thinking what about all the backups we have at center, and that that didn't matter. So uh, <laughs> went out to practice that Monday and started uh, getting it together and. Saturday against Vanderbilt, I was starting, and I started the rest of my career there. Wow. Well, how difficult was this, was the transition? Was it difficult to make that transition from playing linebacker to playing center and playing the offensive line for the first time in your career? Sure, man. It was you know I go from being up on my feet to being having a hand in the dirt. It was tough at first, but uh, I guess the offensive line coach, Coach McDuffie, saw enough in me that week of practice the way he thought I could go out there and do some of the basic things. And uh, it, you know, uh, I did. 
I guess I did him too well because the following week he said, listen, you need to start putting a little weight on because we're going to keep you here at center. Because he wasn't going to, you know, if I did, if it didn't work out, of course, Billy, you know how that go in college. They'll move you back or move you somewhere else. And they, they decided after the first weekend that uh, they was going to leave me at center. Yeah, wow, that's 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 amazing. Uh, and kudos to you for sticking it out and, and making that transition. But also about the transition playing from going from high school to playing in the SEC. What was it like playing in the SEC back then? You, you know, things like that uh, didn't even cross my mind when I was playing high school football. Playing in the SEC, ACC, it didn't matter. I mean, I was recruited by both. But uh, I tell you, when I, when I went down there, it was, it was eye-opening. You know, you had all these All-Americans and stuff, and these grown men. I'm 18. We got 22-year-old seniors on the team. And going out there in that stadium, rocking and rolling with every kid on at the university, it seemed like. And it was it was a kind of a frightening at first, but it didn't take much time to get used to it, you know. Because uh, like like a lot of us, we we like attention, and I was no different. So <laughs> I wanted to go out there and play my best so I can get some of those cheers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, fast forwarding a little yeah. bit, Ray, to your time with the Colts. So you get drafted in 1980 by the Colts, and you anchor the Baltimore offensive line for four seasons from 1980 to 1983. And I'm sure you've been asked this a lot over the course of your time. But but what do you think or what did you think about coming to Indianapolis during the move? And, and what was it like playing in the Hoosier Dome those first few years in downtown Indianapolis when the Colts were pretty fresh, new into town? Yeah, well, playing in Baltimore was uh... – when I got the starting job, it, it it seemed to get to be a little bit difficult for the fans to like us. I don't know. We was we starting to lose, mm-hmm. and they were great fans in you know, at first, the first year there, and uh, we started to lose, and they just kept booing us and booing us and booing us. So when we uh, when we got wind of the fact that we may be moving, I was like, thank God, <laughs> you know, because I'm tired of this, you know. So uh, we uh, they made the move. I was sitting at my girlfriend's house. They interrupted the show I was watching, and they showed the trucks pulling out and a little snowfall, and I'm like, okay. But I still didn't know where we were going. Mm-hmm. They didn't tell us. They did not tell us until later on. So when I came out here and walked out on the uh, Who's Your Dome field, you know, the, watch the people in there cheering and cheering loud and sometimes cheering at the wrong time. But uh, Billy, offense with the ball, they cheering. We can't hear, you know. And we had to we had to teach them how to, when to cheer and when not to. I don't know if you knew that, Billy. But yeah, they uh, <laughs> we got the ball. The quarterback can't hear. We can't hear him. Yeah. So, but it, it was great, man. It was great. You know, a whole new group of fans to play in front of, and and they really seemed like they, you know, enjoyed us having us here. So we went out there and we played as hard as we could. We just didn't play very well. Now, Red, during your time here in Indianapolis, you were part of some good offensive lines. In 1985, the team had over 2,400 yards rushing, which was fifth in the National Football League at the time and first in the AFC. And in 1988, the line opened up some holes for the NFL rushing leader, Eric Dickerson, who had over 1,500 yards that year rushing. When you look back at it, what made those offensive lines so special? I tell you, uh, I'm going to say a lot, a lot of it was on Eric Dickerson, man. Because we had that same offensive line before we got there, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. like you said, we had in '85 we had a 2200, and uh, <laughs> we just determined to try and be good. And I know I was trying to play as hard as I could, and 
Chris Hinton and Ron Soat, those guys, Ben Hutt, they was doing what they could do, you know. But when we got Eric, man, we we really felt good about what we could do with him, even though it didn't quite work out the way we wanted it to. But I remember when we made the trade for him, I came downstairs and I said to my wife, I said, we got him. <laughs> but we, had been, we had been talking about him for a while because, you know, they were talking about the trade. Mm-hmm. And she said, got who? I said, Eric Dickerson. You know, one of the best running backs in the game. We, we're gonna be do we're gonna be doing it now. You know, yeah. But we uh, we always fell short when I was playing with the coach. And I, this is no knock on anybody. We fell short at the quarterback position a lot of time. Right. Yeah. You know, we could have been a very good team, man. We just had that passer. Now you bring up the quarterback position. That was that's where I was going next. You know, while your time here with Indianapolis, you played with a lot of different quarterbacks uh, that lined up behind you. How difficult was it to snap to a different quarterback almost every other year or every few years? You're right. It was just about every two years. You're right, Billy. It was a, uh, it was tough, man, because we we couldn't get no consistency. You know what I'm saying? You know the guys come, new guys coming in, having to learn it all. We are the offensive line is already ahead of them in everything we're doing, and we we just never could get that consistency, man. I don't know why, with lack of talent or whatever it was. It just it was just never there. It just never happened for us. Right, you know, it, and, it, and it was it was heartbreaking because I know with winning come reward. You know what I'm saying? So yes. Chris and Salt and Ut and myself, we we could have made more Pro Bowls had we won a few more games. Right, you know, but it was just it wasn't meant to be. So it, it was tough, and like you said, I did. I had like 23 different quarterbacks that snapped two throughout my years here, wow. and that's not good. Wow, that's amazing right there. Yeah, we talk about yeah. the, the turnover right now at the quarterback position. <laughs> uh, that was certainly prevalent, you know, in the infancy of the Colts days in Indianapolis. Now, one of the things that we didn't capture uh, before we hit the record button here, when we first got you on the phone, Bill Brooks, a former teammate of yours for six years in Indianapolis here with the Colts, he called you Bulldog. That was your nickname. Your teammates called you Bulldog. Do you remember how you got that name and why that name fit you and, and how it kind of stuck with you during your career? Yeah, I was in my rookie year. We were in the locker room and uh, talking, messing around with the guys, and Robert Pratt, the starting left guard, mm-hmm. he was trying to get my attention, and he knew I'd gone to Georgia, and he kept trying to get my attention. I was talking to one of the other guys, and he said, Hey, Bulldog. And, you know, of course, I hear Bulldog, I turn around, and it's him wanting to talk to me. And, it's, and that's, how I, that's how I got the name. <laughs> he called me Bulldog then, and it stuck. Every, they all just started calling me that, and that's been going on now for, I don't know, since 81. Well, I, I thought it was really actually, Dog, because looking at you, you have some big, big mitts and, like, big paws on a Bulldog or something because when you got a hold of some of those offensive linemen with your hands, they did not move. And one of the things that stood out with me uh, for you was I never saw you on the ground. You never you never were on the ground. That If you were, it was very, very few times. What made it so that you could stay on the ground and then your mitts, how important was it for you to get your hands on somebody? You, you know what, man? You know, they, in, the, in the offensive line uh, meeting room, you know, some of the coaches that I've had, a lot of them talk this thing about first touch. You know, mm-hmm. I know the snap, so I got a split second to get my hands on that guy and hopefully where I really want to get him. And that's why uh, I was able to get him inside and grab him and hold him, you know, in place pretty much. As, as far as uh, not hitting the ground, man, I figured you, it's tough to block on your knees. You know what I'm saying? 
and on your back and on your face. You got to keep your feet moving. Stay up and keep your feet moving. So mm-hmm. that was my goal to just keep my feet moving and, and stay up and push the guys around and open those holes for the running backs and keep those rascals off the quarterback. You know, Ray, you said you, you played alongside Chris Hinton, and I know you guys had a great relationship. What's your relationship like now with him? And do you guys I mean, do you realize how special of an offensive line that you had, you know, yourself and Chris on the same offensive line? Uh, do you understand the place that you guys have together, great offensive linemen playing together at the same time? I mean, that, that's, that's one of the great duos this franchise has ever seen, regardless of the wins and the losses uh, at the time that you played here. You know, Chris and I, we're still in communications. You know, we, we talk every so often, you know. He's doing fine, you know, living back up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. At least he got a place in Chicago, but he may be in Atlanta still. I haven't talked to him about that. But, yeah, man, we, he and I used to talk about playing together and how much fun we was having and how easy it seemed to be. And uh, we, I don't know, we were just both caught up in the fact that we just couldn't get over the hump. You know, for some reason, we just couldn't get over the hump. And it it frustrated us, you know. But, you know, we kept doing our job because we didn't want to lose, for one thing, even though we did a lot of that. But we didn't want to look bad ourselves. So we, uh, we just kept sticking it in there, man, and giving the people what, we could give them and hope they enjoyed watching us play. Now, Ray, I want to move move on from the Indianapolis coach just a tad here. Now, you finished playing in Indianapolis in 1992 and went on to play for the Seahawks in 93 and 94. You were coached by the late Howard Mudd, who coached here for a time with the Colts. How was your time in Seattle, and how was your time with Howard Mudd, and what did you learn from Howard Mudd? Oh, oh I really liked Howard. He was a smart man. He was a real smart man. You know, he, he got me up there, and he said, listen, Ray, uh, this offensive line is young. He said, I'm going to need you to show them how this thing is done. He said, so first time we go into one-on-one pass protection, he said, I, he said, I want you to take on uh, Cortez Kennedy. He said, Ooh. because we can't get a playoff with, you know, with that sucker lined up across from us. So I got I got in there, and we did it twice, and I stopped him. Like you said, Billy got my hands on him, and he just standing in place, jumping around. He couldn't get past me. And those young young guys, they you know, we go in the next meet, and they're like, man, how you do that? How you do I'm like, <laughs> it's just uh, determination. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because, you know, Cortez was a great player, he's a Hall of Famer, and I'm thinking, I'm not going to let him beat me. You know what I'm saying? That's, my, that's what I'm thinking. And and that's the way I felt when I played against any of the guys that may have gone to the Hall of Fame or was going to the Hall of Fame. I'm going to do my, do my dead-level best to beat them or, or minimize what they can do, to you know, to our team. So, but how how would uh, he uh, he really he really helped uh, those guys out up there? Like he you know he coached Kevin Mowai. Kevin ended up being a Hall of Famer. Yep. yep. You know Kevin was a good football player. Yeah, he, I played with Kevin his rookie year. You know, so uh, yeah, Howard was great, man. I sorry to hear about him losing his life the way he did. He could talk about anything mm-hmm. that you want to talk about, you know. So yeah, learned a lot from old, old Howard. No doubt. So. You close out your career two years in Dallas. At age 37, Ray, you become the NFL's oldest starting center. For you right then and there, how much pride did you take knowing you can still play? And, I mean, did you have a chip on your shoulder wanting to still whoop on some of these younger NFL players who thought maybe you couldn't still get it done at age 37? I mean, you were a Pro Bowl player your last two years in the NFL, how did you get that done, Ray? Playing at that high, high of a high of a level that late in your career, if you will. 
uh, it happened because I worked my tail off during the off season. You know, like they say, you know, you're only as old as you feel. I don't know how true that is, but I worked, I worked, worked out very hard during the off season of those two seasons, man, and uh, and playing with Dallas. And at the time, Dallas was a pretty good football team, and I was hoping I'd get lucky and get a Super Bowl. Right. You know, so yes, I was going to go did. out there and give it all I had. You know. No doubt, and, and that's exactly what happened. So, like you were talking about, nine seasons you had in, in Indianapolis. Uh, winning percentage then was just three eighty five, But you play on some stacked teams in Dallas. Troy Aikman, Emmett Smith. I mean, looking back at these rosters, Michael Irvin, Daryl Johnston, Charles Haley, uh, Deion Sanders for a couple years, Darren Woodson, Nate Newton, Larry Allen, Eric Williams. What did it mean to finally make the playoffs and then win a Super Bowl after those years of frustration I know that you had uh, team-wise before that playing for the Colts and then Seattle? To be in those moments individually, personally, what did that mean for you and your career after you know, 16, 17 years in the NFL? It, it meant a lot, man, because it was the first time in my career that I would get dressed, go out on that football field for a game, and know that I had better than fifty percent chance of winning it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we going we can, we could have won every game, but I know we, we was gonna win most of them. You know what I'm saying? And that right there, eight and eight would have been better than what I was getting in those previous years. So it, it was a great feeling, man. And and watching those guys you you mentioned, Charles Haley, Dion on defense. You know, you know, a lot of times you want to sit down and and get get a little rest. But yeah, when you do that, you talk to your old line coach. You get up and you watch those guys play because they was exciting to watch, and you, and I just felt good for just being there, man. Because I thought we had a chance, and it turned out that '95 we did. I just wasn't able to play in it because I broke my ankle. Now, Ray, you you talk about helping the young guys out and and helping the young guys learn the game of football. When you watch the game now, how different is the game to you compared to when you play? Especially watching young guys play now uh, in the National Football League and here with the Indianapolis Colts. You know, uh, uh, I see the the guys coming from college. The way they're being taught in college is is so wrong. Because I know when they come to the NFL, they're going to be have to learn all you know some new stuff. Because seems like to me, and I'm just talking about UGA, the old linemen there, they they want to bend at the waist. Now they're winning, of course, but they they bend at the waist on pass protection. They want to put their head in there when it's not necessary on pass protection, and 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 running. They said they uh they wait for the defense to move before they try to move them, and you know and I called down there, and I talked to the old line coach and I just gave him a few pointers, man. I said you want to attack them on their side of the ball, cause you I don't know if you know it, Billy, but Georgia hasn't had a thousand yard rusher in a few years. Mm-hmm. You know I know the game's turning to passing, but still, you should have at least one thousand yard rusher. <laughs> but uh, it's this is this is a different game, man. It's a different game altogether, but the, the old line in the pros, they, they're getting coached by some real good coaches, man. They, right. A lot of them are doing it, doing it right, you know. A lot of them are doing it right. So it's just a matter of the individual now. You, you got the coach. You got four or five, four of the guys doing it right. You got to pull that last guy in there, get in, do what you got to do. But, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of the coaches are teaching these young men the right way to do it, and then a lot of them are getting it done. No doubt about that, Ray. I mean, the game certainly has changed or evolved, you know, if you want to put it that way. And 
Long story short, they don't make them like Ray Donaldson anymore. I mean, going back, I was floored looking at this, Ray. You had a 17-year career in the NFL. As we said, one of the best centers the Colts have ever seen. But you're one of the more tougher guys, right, the more durable players uh, the Colts have ever had. I mean, starting in 1981, you started all of the games you played in, which included 184 games with the Colts. I think I went back and looked. The only injury that kept you out was a broken fibula back in 1991. And I also counted some major streaks. You had a 91-game streak. You had a 61-game streak. And then a 60-game streak where you didn't miss starts. Uh, what what was your secret to, to staying available at such a tough position like center where you're grinding and you're pounding and you're taking all of those hits play after play, game after game, and how much pride did you take in being out there every single week to play that crucial position? Yeah, I, I really took a lot of pride in being available, man. Yeah. I, re- I, wanted, I wanted to play. I wanted to be one of those guys that, like you just said, I just ended up being. I said, but the only thing about football, man, people were lucky because Billy knows that any given play, you know, you can get injured. Yes. You know, and that could be it. Like when I did break my leg in '91, but it's just luck, man. I can't I can't put it on anything but that. I I mean I prepared myself for each season the same way each year, mm-hmm. you know, to be ready to go last, try to last as long as I could. But it's just, I was just lucky, I guess, because you know you just can't. Uh, sometimes you can't avoid injury. Well, Ray, I, I will I will say this: knowing you, you worked out. We worked out in the offseason together, and you worked out hard and. You were an athlete, Ray. You, uh, you and I, we played on a team together, basketball team during the off season. So you were a good athlete, played ball, good feet, and you played hard and you worked out hard. So some of it was luck, yes, it was, but a lot of it was uh, Ray Donaldson was a good athlete. You got to well. create your own luck, right? I appreciate that. Well, you know what, too, Billy? Really, we talking about great feet and stuff. A lot of that came from having played linebacker those two years mm-hmm. in high school and college. You know, you got to pick your feet up to get over guys that's on the ground and stuff. And, and it, I took that to the offensive side of the ball and it really helped you right well we'll close with this because you mentioned that that transition you had from linebacker to center uh certainly one of the best I know you didn't like it at the time but certainly one of the best things that I know uh that happened to you because of what you were able to turn that opportunity into and like we said before some football historians claim that you were the first African-American center in the NFL Ray what what does that designation or that recognition what, what what does that mean to you when you hear that well it actually it means a lot but uh it kind of went unnoticed though man you know a lot of people do something for the first time they, they you know there's a lot of recognition about it and this and that but i don't know if it was because it was me being a black man playing center for the first time in the nfl they didn't want that you know out there like that a lot of people still don't even know it and i and i uh that's, that's why when they told me they was moving me to center <laughs> that's the first thing I thought about because I didn't think I'd be able to play center. I thought they would move me to guard once I came to the pros, if I got to the pros. So, you know, having been the first one, you know, no recognition at all for it, it kind of bothers me, but it mm-hmm. is what it is. You know, you have to be first at everything. Somebody got to be first to do something every time. So sure. I just happen to be that guy at center, you know, and, uh, and I'm, I'm proud of it, even though people don't know about it. Uh, well, that's why we're here to spread that word, and and this is uh, this has been a real treat for me talking to two of the greatest Colts of all time with Bill Brooks and Ray Donaldson and and two former teammates here together. I mean, 
Ray, what was it like being teammates with Bill Brooks for six years? The diva that he was, I'm sure, on the <laughs> offensive side of the ball, want to catch all those passes. And I say that in jest, of Billy, course. Don't, don't tell <laughs> me secrets, Ray. Come on now. <laughs> Billy wasn't a diva, man. Billy was a hard worker. I know this. And he, he, you know, he can get down that field and catch that ball. He took a couple of shots, you know, but he got right back up and got back in that line of scrimmage. Right. I want, what I want to know, Billy, can I ask a question? Yes. Sure. What was the most targets you had in any single game when we were together? Wow, I, Ray, to be honest with you, I really don't know. Um, I know I might have caught eight or nine balls one time, so I, I have no idea how many targets I would have gotten, but it wasn't wasn't that often, you know, with uh, yeah, when we had Eric. Saying, when, we, when we had Eric, you know, we ran the ball, which we should have. Eric was a, was a Hall of Famer, and we had some good running backs. We had Albert Bentley on the team as well, who was yeah. a good running back. I know Randy McMillan was there for early in my career, but uh, we had some good running backs, and we just uh, we focused on running the ball, which we should. We had some good running backs, which didn't bother me yeah. at all. You know what? I was just bringing it up because, man, how things have changed. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. They changed a lot. <laughs> oh, they're tossing it around, aren't they? Yeah, they're spreading the field out and tossing the ball down the field, and uh, <laughs> guys having an opportunity to make some big catches and, and uh, be a part of the offense and, and have a good time. But it's fun. Things change, and you move on. I, I, yeah. I'm thankful for my time with the Colts, and Thank you for my time to play in National Football League. Had a great time. And one of the greatest things is, is having teammates and having a teammate That's like right. you and playing with guys like you. Those are things that we remember. You know, there are games that we're going to forget, but we don't forget our teammates and, and uh, what they mean to us. And, uh, Ray, you're one of my good teammates, and I, I appreciate your friendship during during the time we played and uh, after the time we played. I appreciate that, Billy. You take care of yourself, man. Yeah, You do the same. All right, Ray, Ray and hang on now. Asking you shall receive, right? Ask the stat nerd a question here. So the most <laughs> the most targets for Bill Brooks in a game, Ray, was 17 of them in 1991 at Green Bay. Do you remember anything from that game? Because Bill Brooks had nope. 10 catches on 17 targets <laughs> and a touchdown. No, I don't. I was laying up with my broken fibula that year. Uh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I, I got hurt the third game of the season. That's right. Well, yeah. Good for you, Billy. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I, I know what? I didn't know that. So you, you, believe me, you asked the right person because this guy, he knows stats inside and out. No, so I he, just know where to get him. He, 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 he will give you a stat for you. That's right. That's okay. right. Okay. Okay. <laughs> good, good. One of the few times where you guys did not share the field that particular Sunday right there. Again, that's Ray Donaldson. Ray, thank you so much for your time. It's, it's great to meet you and talk to you for the first time. We very much appreciate you sharing some old stories and going down memory lane with us. Have a great rest of your summer coming up and continue success with all that you're doing and, and uh, enjoy that retirement. Thank you, man. And you call me anytime. <laughs> <laughs>